This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Houston, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, what's happening? It is the latest episode of the Utopia podcast. I always say Utopia football podcast, but this time of year, John was in West Palm Beach last week. I am in West Palm Beach this week, and now John is in Indianapolis at the Combine. No podcast has you more covered uh, for Houston sports right now than the Utopia podcast. I am Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610, and of course joined as always by... The Hall of Famer, my good friend, the General, John McClain, our senior Texans columnist at SportsRadio610.com and, of course, GalleriesSports.com. John, you take your baseball hat off from last week and you got your football hat back on again this week. You're in India at the Combine, aren't you? I am. At, uh, everything cranks up tomorrow with coaches and general managers talking for the next two days before they get into all the players. Some players like Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are not going to work out. They're going to wait for their pro days, which, of course, is ridiculous because they're going to look great at their pro days. And they'll still be here talking. Jalen Carter, defensive tackle from Georgia, who might be the top prospect overall. He's not going to work out. And there's some coaching staffs that are not here. They say they can get it all on tape, so they're just going to stay and work on they're off-season program, so it's still a lot of fun. Can't wait. Nick Casario talks Tuesday. D'Amico Ryans talks Wednesday, and I'll be doing columns on each of those. And I'm about to do a column uh, when we finish this Zoom for SportsRadio610.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Yeah, so let's start there, John. The uh, Nick Casario meets with the media uh, at 10.45 Houston time on Tuesday. We're recording this Monday evening or late afternoon. So by the time people are listening to this, he may have already met with the media. And of course, D'Amico Ryans meets with the media on Wednesday at noon Houston time. Uh of those two, I think people are more highly anticipating D'Amico just because they've heard Nick talk before. Nick doesn't give up too much. And this is really D'Amico's first kind of national coming out as the Texans head coach, uh, you know, in front of a in front of a national media throng. What do you expect the big questions for D'Amico Ryans to be on Wednesday? I think number one, people are gonna want to gonna want to know, is he gonna call the defense? I'm guessing he will. And then uh, they'll talk to him about his offensive staff because the offense was so pathetic last year and he got, um, he's got a new staff. He kept nine, I believe it was nine holdover coaches from Lovey Smith's staff. And, uh, but everybody wants to know about the play calling coordinator. Who's going to call it on both sides of the ball. I want to know why he hadn't hired a former head coach for advice. He's only coached for six years, two years as a coordinator. Who's going to help him out when he faces those situations he's never faced as a coach? It's not too late to do it. They can always hire some former coach. But I think having a Romeo Cornell like he was on the staff for O'Brien, and I think uh, Lovey, you know, David Cully had Romeo as well. So I can't wait to see – what he says about not having a former head coach to help him out. I'm, you know, John, I'm curious about that. Cause I, that stuck out to me too, in no small part, because you've brought that up almost every time we've talked about whatever head coach it was going to be. If it was a first time head coach, having a former head coach on the staff, I know you've been pretty adamant about that. I guess just to dig into that a little bit, uh, are you saying a former head coach on the staff to help out like in game situations or just sort of general advice in in being a head coach, you know, like throughout the week, I can bounce something off of this guy, that kind of thing. All of the above. Okay. He's definitely going to need somebody in game because he's going to face situations he's never faced. And uh, if he's going to call the defense, that's going to make it even tougher for him. And so that's why if I were in those shoes, I'd hire a former offensive oriented head coach or a former defensive oriented head coach and have both of them to help me. And uh, we talked a lot about, I was hoping it would be Gary Kubiak. Gary would be great to have overseeing the offense. And uh, so uh, maybe they'll still do it. Maybe I'm curious if, if the coaching staff is complete. And if it is, he doesn't have a lot of experience, especially compared to like what Frank Reich's done at Carolina when he's hired a bunch of former head coaches who are uh, older yeah. My age bracket. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I think I'm, you've been covering this sport longer than I have. I guess I, I, when I think of it, I think of like just situational, not situational in game, but like, Hey, this I'm, I'm dealing with this, with this player, we're having this problem on the defense or on the offense and being able to bounce things off them throughout the week or at certain times throughout the year. I trust D'Amico Ryan's decision-making in game as much as I trust any former head coach. A lot of these former head coaches, they lose their jobs because they're not good game managers. You know what I mean? Like, I think if, as long as he's got an analytics guy in game, John, to go, hey, it's fourth and one. This is what the book says to do. What it, you know, what does your gut tell you to do? Then I, I think D'Amico will be fine in game. I agree with you about the 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 part 
where he can lean on some of these guys because he's going to be that's the stuff he's going to see for the first time I'm more concerned about is the bigger picture stuff throughout a lo- what's going to be a long season probably they're probably not going to be a very good football team and I guess to that end he probably still has guys like Kubiak on his you know on his speed dial if he ever needs them right yeah but I, I hope you're right about end game but he's going to see things he's never seen when he's trying to make calls yeah He's going to see things on offense he's never seen from being a head coach where yeah. Kyle Shanahan made all those calls and he didn't have to worry about it. And maybe he'll be great. Yeah. And uh, everybody hopes he is. But I think you can never have too much experience on a staff. And you don't want to hire somebody that constantly had game management problems. You want to hire somebody who was good at it. Yeah. Or he could even be a longtime coordinator who's been through – uh, the football wars, so to speak, in every possible situation that could come up. Bill O'Brien is a really smart guy. Yeah. And Bill struggled with game management all the time. Right. Um, of all the, as, as long as we're talking about the staff, and then we'll circle back to the combine here, John, uh, of the the coaches that he hired, the not the holdovers, because I was surprised. There, You're right. There were a lot of holdovers from the previous staff. Some of them are lower level video guys, but some of them are, you know, Frank Ross is a coordinator and there's at least four other position coaches that they they kept around. Of all the position coaches that that D'Amico and Nick brought in, who is the one, not 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 Bobby Sloak, not a coordinator, but of the position coaches, who's the one, the one that you think is under the most scrutiny or that is under the most pressure to get their position group right? Well, that would be Johnson, of course, for quarterbacks because he's going to have – a new quarterback, he'll still have Davis Mills to to coach. And Gerard has been doing this since uh, he was on Shanahan's first staff in 17, and he left after that year. But uh, Bobby Slowick, D'Amico Ryans, Kyle Shanahan, Gerard Johnson were all there for that year. And uh, so Gerard is quarterback coach for the first time. And that's a great opportunity for him because he wants to be a coordinator, and I'm sure he wants to be – a head coach, and plus that position is the most important on the team. We all hope they have a franchise quarterback they need to develop. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. Pep Hamilton did a really good job with Davis Mills as a quarterback coach and a terrible job as a coordinator. And uh, so Johnson knows Slowick, and uh, all those guys are familiar with each other, which I think that working relationship is so important. But I think I think Gerard Johnson by far. What about what do you know about Chris Strausser, the new uh, offensive line coach? He was, you know, he was highly regarded in Indy. He had a lot of talent in Indy, and then one guy retired, one left in free agency. Ryan Kelly couldn't stay healthy at center, and all of a sudden that great offensive line went down the tubes. And it wasn't his fault that players left or players got injured, but he was very highly regarded. And uh, I'm glad they got him. And of course, that's important, but not as important as the quarterback. No, it's not. I and I probably should have said of the like the positions non-quarterback because that's always the most important. I just, I guess, John, just outside looking in, I look at Strausser and I'm like, yeah, they lost some guys on the offensive line, but you looked in like Braden Smith and Quentin Nelson were supposed to be the future like three, four years ago, and they both had bad years this year. You know, like that's. I'm just a little concerned that there were some of the same pieces on that offensive line, and it went from one of the best four years ago to one of the worst this past year. Well, it was one of the best two years ago, and what's the difference? Jonathan Taylor missed most of the season with an injury. 
Okay. And so when Jonathan Taylor played two seasons ago in 21, everybody loved their offensive line because yeah. he rushed for 1,800 yards. And then last year, I can't even remember who took his place. But uh, And they had, of course, a different quarterback every year, which couldn't help the continuity. But uh, he's not going to – well, I don't know. they got to have a center. I'm hoping the center will come in free agency. The reason A.J. Cam was at right guard was because of uh, George Warhop. You know, this is, this is what, the fourth offensive line coach in four years? That can't be good for Titus Howard and any young guy that's been there a while. Tunsil now will have had five or six line coaches. But Laramie's good and he's smart. Titus is too. But, man, oh, man, don't you know, They'd love to come back one year in which it was the same coach and the same techniques and calls and system. And John, think about Charlie Heck, who was drafted in 2020. He's had a different offensive line coach every year in the NFL. He's had a different head coach every year in the NFL. And he's had a different GM, I think, now at least twice, right, with Nick and with Bill and, and interim Easterby in between there. Like it's, Can you imagine being a, like a, a, a rookie in 2020 and someone would tell you, you're going to play for a different head coach and a different offensive line coach every. It's like he's. It's like he's been on one-year contracts every year. You know, functionally. It's, it's a good. It's a good thing Charlie Heck is a really smart guy. Yeah. With great, great football genes because his dad Andy Heck played forever and is a Chiefs offensive line coach. If anybody can continue to adjust under circumstances like that, it would be a guy like Heck. Yeah. And. The lack of continuity on any team is never good. And in this team, it's been a revolving door for players, coaches, GMs, everything. And they hope now, the McNairs do, that they finally got it right and they can have some stability that leads to chemistry. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, John, back to the combine, which is where you're going to be all week long. You mentioned the quarterbacks. That's what most Texan fans, I think, are going to every Texan fan probably, if they're watching the combine or following it, are going to be following that storyline. From what I've seen, you mentioned it. Bryce Young is not going to throw. The reports I saw this morning were that the other three big quarterbacks in this draft, Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis, are all going to throw at the combine. Are you hearing the same? Uh, well, Stroud, I already wasn't, but that's good. Yeah. I hope he is. And, uh, cause people need to see him, you know, Bryce Young, truthfully, they don't need to see him throw. They can go back and watch every tape from the last two years. All they care about is how big is he going to be? I know Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL network talked to Peter King and Albert Breer and he's here and he's a little over five ten. It'd be better if he's five, a little over five eleven. Yeah. And and everybody, everybody is concerned about his stature, his frailness, and the fact that can he stand up to the punishment over 17 games and then hopefully eventually playoff games. Because it said if he's six three, he'd be a first overall pick and another generational talent. Yep. Like uh like uh Andrew Luck in 2000. 
2012 yeah. and Lawrence in 2021. Did you, John, did you see the before and after pictures of Zay Flowers, the wide receiver from Boston College? I did not. Okay. He's, uh, well, you know who he is, obviously. He's a kind right. of a smaller wide receiver, but he apparently went to some uh, workout place in South Florida called Perform. And they did a before and after picture. You know, usually it looks like these, whenever I see a before and after picture, I just glance at it and it looks like me and you doing soda, like the fat version on the on the left and then the lighter version on the right. And I glance down, I'm like, that guy looks pretty rocked up in both of these pictures. Okay, it's Zay Flowers. And you zoom in and you can tell, yeah, I mean, he's in good shape in the one on the left, but he's put on 13 pounds of muscle and he's not a big dude. He went from 180 to 193 in like the last two months working out at this place, and it's noticeable. And all I could think about looking at that picture was, man, they got to send Bryce Young to that place. Send him to the place Zay Flowers is working out. Wouldn't that be nice that we could go somewhere and they wanted us to eat all the time? I know. I know. The thing about Bryce Young, he's been working with a nutritionist. They're trying to get him to 210. Mm -hmm. Now, we don't know if if the weights and measurements are accurate. The Texans run – Weights and measurements from guys coming out of college. We don't know how tall they are and how, how much they weigh. I don't know why teams don't update that every year because players put in so much time in the weight room. Yeah, I asked Jer- Jeremy Pena last week, who obviously works out in the weight room a lot, and he said he's gained three pounds. Well, it's obvious it's all muscle, probably in his triceps and biceps. So these football players are working their butts off. Give, let's give them some credit. So if if Zay Flowers can gain 13 pounds like that, and if indeed Bryce Young was 190, what if he were really 180 or 185? Yeah. Because you could tell me that, and I would have believed it right. looking at him. But hopefully whoever he's been working out with, and you know it's the best money can buy, he'll be up. Kyler Murray was 207. They worried that he wouldn't be at 200. And so hopefully Bryce Young will be in the 25, 210 range and closer to 5'11 than 5'10. All right. So, John, that's a good transition into a little bit of Astro talk. It's funny you say that. Uh, I'm I'm at spring training now. The Astros had a game today. I think they lost. I wasn't really paying attention to the score. I was more paying attention to the time of the game because that's been the big topic the first couple of days with this pitch clock. Um, Pena was made available to us after the game in the clubhouse, and I actually asked him what he's benching these days. And um, he said he doesn't do any bench presses, just deadlifts and dumbbells. That's all he does. 100-pound deadlifts and dumbbells. That's all he's been doing. And then he winked at me after that. He said he he said you have to be really careful being a baseball player in a weight room. Yeah. Your goal is not to lift a thousand pounds. Your goal is to lift that helps you in what you need to do in baseball. And he started it at the University of Maine. Yeah. And so he obviously does it religiously because I tell everybody, I've told this a hundred times since last week. You put him in the Texans locker room with his shirt off. And you ask somebody didn't know who's the baseball player in here, they would not pick him out. You, you, they would you think he was a safety. You no, know, you, John, you weren't kidding. Uh, like, I would I, I, not that I was. I wasn't skeptical when you were saying it. I totally believed you, but I saw it up close today. That dude is he is yoked. It's incredible. Um, what did you think, John, of the reaction to the um, or and maybe I was going to say what did you think of the reaction, but I guess I should just ask you what was your reaction from what you got to to consume this weekend of the, uh, the the newfangled game of baseball under the pitch clock? Uh, I talked to Hunter Brown, who I, who I pitched with it last year. He said, look, everybody had to make an adjustment. It's no big deal. You know, nobody likes games lasting forever. 
Some guys struggled more than others, but they all adjusted. Yeah. And Hunter Brown was great. So he just shrugged his shoulders, said, I know from experience, it's not going to be a big deal. You know, I'm more interested in the you can't throw over the first twice or you're dead. I hate that rule because I hate throws to first base, but still. And it includes stepping off the mound. If you got to step off the mound for any reason, that counts as a pickoff move. Yep. So if you do it a second time, then the guy can take a 40-foot lead yeah. and steal the base. So the other one is Altuve and Tucker because of the routines they go through after every pitch. And they got to be set in the box with eight seconds left in the pitch clock. And I I can't wait to see that. And Garcia, because he rocks the baby, was working on rocking less, rocking the baby less because he's got to worry about it. And I, I like the shift, of course, but still the pitch clock. You, hold on, hold on, hold on. You like uh, them banning the shift or you banning, like the shift? Been, no, okay. no, banning the shift. Okay. And that's pretty simple. But yeah. I love the pitch clock because not only does it affect the pitchers, it affects the hitters as well. Well, John, Jose Altuve, I was at the game today. Altuve led off today and batted three times. He struck out three times. He, 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 uh, you know, I, I'm trying not to be too hyperbolic. It's one game and it's the first time with the pitch clock, but it was weird watching Altuve not do his routine. You know what I mean? Like he just, he didn't even get out of the box, John, between pitches. He didn't even wow. step out of the box. He, wow. he stayed in the box, almost kept his feet planted each time. Maybe on every other pitch, maybe he'd step his right foot back a little bit, but he stayed in the box, did a quick adjustment to his glove in the box, and then just got back into batting position. So it was way faster than Jose Altuve is used to doing. And and today, you know, today uh, the results would say it messed with him a little bit. It's one game. Jose Altuve will probably be fine, but it was, it was unsettling for me as a Jose Altuve fan to watch him go through this today. Is it going to be weird to watch Kyle Tucker not, not reach down and get dirt and rub his hands and flick the end of his bat yes. like he does? Yes, Tucker was complaining about it this weekend. He had, he had to bat under these new rules over the weekend, and he didn't like it. So um, I'm, I'm hoping Hunter Brown is right, uh, and I'm hoping that you know they got spring training to work out the kinks. And one thing is for some of these guys, and Pena got asked about this in the clubhouse after the game. You know, they're they're headed off to the World Baseball Classic, and that's being played under the old rules. So, you know, you you start to get into this new groove with the new MLB rules, and now they plunk this event down right into the middle of why you're trying to get ready for the season. Um, so that's just something to monitor. And that's on pitching and hitters, something to monitor. Luis Garcia is pitching the World Baseball Classic. Is he going to go back to his old rock the baby with the two steps, or is he going to – use this as an opportunity to continue, um, you know, fortifying what he's been working on. As an Astro fan, I don't want him messing with what he's been trying to build to for the season, you know, get at, get into what technically would be bad habits because they're in MLB now, they're illegal habits, you know, his old way of doing it. Maybe he should just pitch out of the stretch all the time. All the I was time. watching him in the bullpen and that's one of the things I liked about being there at first with no games is you could walk around and walk right up and watch them work. And they were counting his seconds. And when he pitched out of the stretch five in a row, he had four but balls gone in 10. The other one was 11, but that was out of the stretch. Yeah. Um, John, any other leftovers for you from your time here in West Palm Beach at spring training? You had a hell of a week. It, it was, I wrote 10 columns in eight days. I got five more that I'm going to write after the combine. And um, 
being around, I'm, the last time I was in a locker room where people thought they were going to win a championship was the Oilers in 1980, coming off 11-5 and five season in which they lost second consecutive championship game at Pittsburgh, and people were picking them to finally win the Super Bowl. Third time was a charm, and they were very confident. And that's the thing about the Astros, spending two hours a day in the clubhouse talking to people, and not just players, but people that work there, and they just – so such an air of confidence that you that you see too, and uh, it's unusual for me as a sports writer, talk show guest, and and uh, podcast guest, and I I just uh, I you look at them when your only problem is uh, who's going to play center field backup catcher, and then of course you hope McCullers doesn't miss long after the start of the season. You know they're they are they're built to win again. Yeah. All right, John, you want to do some for real or fugazis, rapid fire style? Let's do it. All right, we'll do a few of these here, hit on some of the relevant items of the day. Uh, I read a sentence, I read it as if it is fact, and afterwards I ask John, is that for real or fugazi? If John thinks that the statement is accurate in any way, he says that is for real. If he thinks that I'm off my rocker and what I just said is false, he says... Fugazi. Fugazi, yes, Italian for counterfeit. All right, John. Um, first one, Bryce Young not throwing at the combine is a big mistake on his part. For real or Fugazi? Fugazi. They got two years worth of film from him at Alabama. If they want to see him throw, watch that great touchdown throw he had against the Longhorns in Austin where he, he puts the ball perfectly. Everybody says he's so accurate. His only question is not his throws. His only question is how tall is he and how much does he weigh and can he fill out and not look so frail so now i think there's going to be a lot of people at his pro day and i might have to be there too yeah um should be uh oh are you thinking of going to his pro day john in tuscaloosa uh, yeah i went to see uh blake bortles's pro day vince young's reggie bush it was fun doing it you don't really learn anything of course and they're all carried live by the NFL Network. But think of how many people are going to be interested in watching him throw. Well, John, that's Alabama's pro day, too. There's at least like eight other guys there who can wind <laughs> up as Houston Texans. You know yeah, what I mean? That Will Anderson's pretty good, too. Yeah, he's not a bad player. And they got Brian Branch, this, the safety. They got three or four guys who could go in the first round without a doubt. All right, next one, John. Tillman Fertitta put in a bid reportedly for $5.5 billion to buy the Washington Commanders. For real or Fugazi, Tillman Fertitta would make a great NFL owner. Uh, that's for real. I think Tillman would be tremendous. I don't want Tillman to own an NFL team. I want him to get an NHL team and bring hockey mm. back to Houston. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, if he was going to own the Commanders and he would go in there and help him get a new stadium all the politicians would fall in love with him it'd be a, it's a great franchise to own because you got little teensy shoes to fill yeah <laughs> yeah not a that that's that's the opposite of coming in and playing quarterback after tom brady in new england <laughs> he's going uh, in yeah. owning the washington commanders after daniel snyder stunk <laughs> the place up <laughs> absolutely all right next one john uh, another combine one for you here. Anthony Richardson out of Florida is just not Nick Casario's type of quarterback. For real or Fugazi? I would say Fugazi because I don't know. 
Yeah. He's big, he's fast, he's smart. Everybody loves the guy. He's a leader, but he's not accurate. He started one season and he missed a lot of throws. And people say he's a project. If they wanted to go with Davis Mills another year and have him as the backup. But boy, you're taking such a chance if you draft him, say he's there at 12. Uh, you're taking you're all, you got a good chance you're going to waste that pick and you're not going to know for two years. But everybody's intrigued by him, and I can't wait till he throws because they say his arm is as good as Elway and Favre and the and Josh Allen and the guys that had the greatest arms ever. You're going to be watching that one for sure I, at, at, in Indy, right, John? That's that's must-see Absolutely. TV. Anthony Richardson can't, throwing the football. I can't wait to see what kind of uh, interview he is, too, because yeah. out of Florida, people speak so highly about how charismatic he is. So he's going to win a lot of fans there because he should be able to throw. Sean, he's in his underwear. Absolutely. And there's nobody pressuring him, and there's nobody covering the receivers. But I think in his interviews, that's where people are going to be really impressed. Ah, John, I've never been good at throwing a football. You tell me if I just strip down to my underwear, all of a sudden I'll be throwing rockets out there? If you look like Zay Flowers. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> or Anthony Richardson. Um, hey, John, before I read this one, are you you're a fan of the Rocky movies? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Have you seen the two Creed movies? I have. And are you anxious to see Creed 3? No. Okay, well, let me read this one then. Creed 3 has no Sylvester Stallone in it, and thus it is not considered a Rocky movie. For real or Fugazi? For real. If Sylvester Stallone's in it, it ain't a Rocky movie. <laughs> and I like the first one because I like Michael B. Jordan. He's a really, really good actor and an action guy. And I thought it was great for Stallone to play that role. I thought he should have got nominated for an Academy Award. Mm. So you knew they were going to get a two, but this one is strictly for the money. Yeah, this is a cash grab. I th I didn't mind Creed 2 because it had a Ivan Drago in it. It reprised that storyline, and I love Rocky Four with the Russian angle. Um, all right, last one, John. Can't even read my own handwriting here. Um, a good time at the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo completely depends on the musical act. For real or Fugazi? For real, because if you go to the rodeo and you're not going out to the, to the midway and you're not partaking of all the the heart attack food they have out there, which is delicious. And you're just going into the rodeo because if it's a band that's not good, it can be such a downer. Yeah, it can be. Do you have a particular, does pre-soda weight loss, John, have a particular heart attack food at the rodeo that you like? No, I will not go and not tempt myself at the rodeo because there's too much of that junk I like. Yeah, it's they they fry everything, John. They'll you, you they'll, they'll they'll fry you hand it to them, they'll fry it. Ooh. It's yeah. It's good stuff. All right, John, what I do you love, got going? I love those big old corny dogs with That's the only time I ever eat them. Okay. Yeah, that's the answer. Don't act like you don't eat when you go to the rodeo, John. Uh, all right, what do, you, what do you got going on on your various platforms, my friend? On sportsradio610.com, I'll have a head at the Texans and the Combine and over sports. I'll have uh, Nick Serio and D'Amico Ryan the next two days. Enjoy West Palm Beach. Going to have a blast. And uh, I will talk to you guys on Wednesday morning. Yep, we'll talk to you Wednesday morning, John. I'll talk to you for the mailbag episode. I'm sure we got a ton of mailbag questions now that you and I are basically baseball podcasters in addition to our football chops. 
So we'll do that on Wednesday. We'll record Wednesday our mailbag episode. If you want to email us, mailbag at gmail.com. That's mailbag at gmail.com. Big thanks to Figgy Fig for getting this podcast out to each and every one of you. We appreciate him for that. If you don't subscribe, do so. Hit the subscribe button. You don't have to worry about anything. It'll end up on your device that you listen to your podcasts on automatically. So go ahead and do that wherever you get your podcasts. Um, so we are done. We'll see you in a couple days. For John McClain, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see all of you for the next episode of the Utopia Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.